Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Hog Talk. Help us get our message out by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Once you've subscribed, be sure to share with all of your fellow hog fans on social media. Razorback Nation, welcome to The Hog Talk Podcast. This is Jacob from thehogpen.net. And Ty from Picture Network on YouTube. Thank you for all our social media followers for helping us get to 4,000 followers on Twitter. Thank you guys so much. That That is something we've been working hard on for a little while. 4,000 doesn't seem a lot, but uh, I want to tell you, 4,000 will help you grow much, much, much more and faster than, than what it was on the way up the hill. So tonight, our special guest is sports and culture's Porter Hayes. How you doing tonight, Porter? Doing good, guys. Thank y'all for having me on. It's an honor to be on with y'all. Hey, congrats on that 4K. Uh, I know y'all been grinding and doing all sorts of stuff. So, hey, 4,000, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ty, man, it's been a busy week. Yeah, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy week for sure. A lot of, lot of, lot of stuff going on with, uh, with certain folks on Twitter getting their information wrong. And then, of course, Arkansas had a uh, commitment for the 2019 class. That's a big deal. Excuse me, 2020 class rather. That's a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, this Cavante Dixon, Ty, tell me about him. He's the next commitment in the 2020 class for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Well, athletic kid, uh, six foot, roughly around six foot, six, one, somewhere in there, 180 pounds, uh, out of Carthage, Texas for this 2020 class. Not a bad pickup for the hogs. Looks like they're going to play him at running back. I think, I think he'd been kind of noted as someone who could play multiple positions on offense, but obviously Arkansas needs to rack up some depth in the backfield, and that's what they're doing. He has some some pretty decent offers, Baylor, Colorado, Houston. He does have some in-state offers from SMU, TCU, and Texas, along with Oklahoma State. So Jeff Trailer was his lead recruiter, and it's obviously a big pickup. Again, you know you and I have talked quite a bit about what they need to do at the running back position alongside – Filling up depth at the linebacker position along the line of scrimmage, running back is certainly a position that they need to uh, they need to fill out as well. But he committed on none other than July fourth. So fireworks, yeah, baby, nothing nothing wrong with that. A little extra fireworks on the fourth of July. But again, he picked supposedly he picked Arkansas over Texas, but I think uh, I think Texas was his runner up and TCU after that. So Razorback fans, you can go on uh, our Facebook page. Arkansas Hog Talk, or you can go on Twitter and you can click the link to thehogpen.net and it will send you to 
the video of which Kelvante Dixon's huddle. And watch this guy. This guy has speed. He has agility. He's quick, shifty, elusive. And a guy that just can hit the edges. Arkansas has struggled over the past maybe four or five years finding guys that has the edge speed. I was watching videos of Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, the glory days of Arkansas running backs, uh, Niall Davis, uh, Cedric Cobbs, guys that had the speed not only to hit the hole up the middle, but they had speed to get to the outside. And this is what Kelvante Dixon, honestly, brings to the Razorbacks. I really like this kid. I'm really high on him. I think Arkansas really got a steal out of this one, out of the state of Texas. I, I think he's rumored. I don't I don't know what his official 40 time is. I don't know if it's been laser timed or not, but I'd heard it's somewhere around a, a, a mid to high 4-4, maybe a low 4-5. He's apparently a pretty big he's, – he's a, he's a track star. Uh, he's you know he's, he's an athletic kid and like you said they need someone who can hit the outside hit that outside edge especially in this offense so it's yeah it's a big addition as far as you know when you talk about getting outside edge runners at the running back position this is a good place to this is a good place to start with this class as far as you know the the, the running back position and getting someone with that kind of speed and let's not forget this is the eighth commitment in the state uh, in the state of Texas from the for the Arkansas Razorbacks this year. That's huge. And this is the, I think this is the first set of teammates for this class. If you remember back into the class of 2019, I mean, there was three or four sets of high school teammates. So this is uh, Tyke Crawford, uh, offensive lineman commitment, the highest rated uh, offensive lineman and uh, highest rated player on the board for Arkansas this uh, in this class. So co- yeah. getting Covante Dixon is a big deal. It's commitment number 11, correct? Isn't that right? Yes, commitment number 11, yes. So there are, you know, we have the, we've got the barbecue bash. I don't know what they're calling it this year, but, you know, they're going to bring all the recruits in for the barbecue at the end of July. I think it's the 26th. They could, they're actually on a dead period between June 24th until July 24th. We know that I'm expecting some pretty big news as far as who's visiting on that for that barbecue on the 25th. So hopefully we'll know a little bit. Now, recruits can still talk to people in the media. They just can't talk to coaches during that dead right. period. So maybe maybe we'll get more news the week leading up towards towards the barbecue. But I, I suspect, you know, July between July, maybe like July 23rd 20th. through the 25th, yeah. we'll, we'll start to hear more and more about who's coming up for that, for that barbecue. But I do expect, you know, and I hate to do this. I'm not, that's not really who I am as far as, they're going to get a commitment on this date, but I feel like going into that barbecue or at least coming out of it, they're going to, they're going to grab at least a, co- a, a commit or two out of the, out of the uh, barbecue for the Razorbacks. Right. And so, I mean, we, it's me and you were talking about this the other day, Porter, about these guys. Would it be better to get commitments going in or would it be better to get commitments coming out of the barbecue? Ah, to me, you know, just, coming out because i mean you don't know if you're building those relationships even if it is something like a barbecue you know something the bond and all that they might get a better feel of the teammates around them as people because a lot of these recruits they're used to just doing these camps and all these elite camps and they just know each other on the field as a competitor side so you get them in there coming in doing these barbecues doing this and you get to see what the coaches are like so anything coming out to me is like, man, they, they really got something out of that. So that's, that's oh, yeah. where I would lean towards. Absolutely. Back to you, Ty. 
I'm the same way. I, to me, I mean, a commit to commit, I'll take him before or after, but I, I, you know, Porter's right. You know, it's, it's, it, it at least shows that the, 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 that event is successful. And we saw it last year. You and I have talked about that quite a bit, Jacob, the amount of commitments they had immediately following the barbecue and that, and they're doing it again this year. So I think it shows more success or, or something for these recruits to kind of look forward to, you know, the, the future recruits like, Ooh, I don't know what's up with this camp, but it's obviously changed the mind of some other players. And it kind of creates that fan hype, something that we can all kind of latch onto before the actual season. Like, Oh, wow, we've got a barbecue coming up. That means we could maybe expect some commitments, but for, for what really matters as far as, you know, as far as looks, and for people on the outside kind of looking in on, on what that thing's all about, it looks better when you've got guys committing after because it just it just shows that this thing is working, that this barbecue's a good idea. And obviously, if they're not committing, period, then they'll scrap it and they'll think of something else. And maybe they won't do a barbecue. Maybe they'll do something else. But so far, it's been a it's been a success. And I don't as long as Chad Morris is here, I think they're going to do it every year. And I think it's going to continue to be successful for sure. So guys that are going to go into this barbecue, who do you want to see come out as commitments? Mm. Well, look, I, 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 first off, linebacker position for sure. I don't care who it is. We all know who, we all know who we want. <laughs> the, the certain four-star player out of Memphis, I would sure like, would sure like to commit. But they, they need to, they need to hit linebackers, and I still believe offensive line. If they could get another offensive lineman or two, I don't know the four-star lineman that they're in on. I don't have his name up. I'm forgetting it. Uh, Hayes. Garrett yes, Hayes. Garrett Hayes. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's coming to this thing or not. I last I heard he wasn't, but if they could get him to come to this barbecue, and then I don't know. I feel like he's he's an inch away from announcing his his announcement date, and I feel like it would be Arkansas. But I I wish they could get him to that to that uh to the barbecue Absolutely. event. But yeah, I, to me it's I'll take whatever they can get out of this thing, but I would certainly like for a linebacker or two to come out of this with a commitment to Arkansas for sure. So going and uh, skipping, skipping over here to the Adrian, how is he, how do you say it? Warjanowski is, is that how you say his name from ESPN? Yeah. Adrian Warjanowski from, he's the ESPN insider for NBA. So tell us a little bit about this tie. He, uh, so he put out a, a tweet a little while back about, Patrick Beverly on, on how he left and had said that he was exiled from the university of Arkansas. And I did do a video on this last week. Sadly, it was my only video of the week is 4th of July. was crazy that entire week. It was just nuts around here. I don't know about you guys, but when you've got two kids and, and uh, you know, relatives all wanting to stay the night and, uh, you know, camp and all this stuff going on, it's kind of hard to pump out more content, but I was really glad I could get that video out and kind of show like, this is, this is wrong. Like what he said was wrong. And this guy has, I don't know, he's got millions of followers on Twitter. And he, he said that, you know, Patrick Beverly was exiled out of the university of Arkansas to the Ukraine over in Europe. And, and that's not true. He was actually, he had, if I remember correctly and don't quote me on this, but he, he had ran into some trouble before the incident of another student doing his homework for him. Now that's been, I mean, that's been a decade ago. That's been a long time ago. And since then, He's been great in the NBA. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. You know, Arkansas still claims him as one of their own. We still claim him as a Razorback. He always will be. Once a hog, always a hog. But 
there's obviously that kind of separation there. And, and I guess Adrian here saw things a little bit differently and it didn't happen the way he says that it happened. And I was really happy to see hog fans reply. Danny West actually, who works for 24 seven sports.com with Trey Biddy called him out and said that, you know, that's not how it went down at all and called him out. And then a bunch of other hog fans followed and, and who remember that incident and remember what happened with Patrick Beverly in his final days at the university of Arkansas. Patrick Beverly even said that he owned the, the mistake that he made. He paid the price. He admitted that he had done wrong and he chose to leave the university of Arkansas. The U of A didn't kick him out. I think if I remember right, actually, they had asked him to take the year off. I think they're going to use a red shirt on him because he was an SEC. He was all SEC freshman. Mm-hmm. He yep. was second team all SEC as a freshman. I mean, we all were expecting big things. This was a pretty big blow back then to lose Patrick Beverly. So they wanted him to just sit a year out as part of his punishment. He decided to go to Ukraine. That's not that's not getting fired. That's leaving your job because you know they were dishing out punishment for something you did wrong. So there's a difference between getting fired and quitting. And, and, yes. and he left. And I don't blame him. The guy was, I mean, there's no doubt he would have been a draft pick. I don't know how high. I can't remember his projections back then. But so, yeah, I, I really, I was kind of, that always bothers me when people, especially someone who works at ESPN and calls themselves a quote-unquote, well, I mean, that's what he is. That's his job. He's a NBA insider. And he has the uh, Wodge pod, you know, the, the NBA podcast that he does. So if you're going to sit there and, just blatantly lie about a situation or at least you have an uninformed opinion when you work with ESPN and you've got millions of followers, I think I would probably at least back up what I have with facts and with, you know, if I'm going to make a claim like that, that I need to have fact, and he didn't, he didn't have any facts. He was wrong and he didn't delete the tweet and I didn't expect him to. I mean, who are we, you know, as a hog fans calling him out? I mean, he doesn't care, but at the end of the day, I just wanted to, I want to bring that to the light. And I'm, and I'm really happy again to all those hog fans who responded to his tweet and called him out. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Well, and, you know, with him, you know, he, he's trying to build a story and a narrative. That's all it was. And he was wrong for it. I'm, I'm not trying to justify, but, you know, right. sometimes ESPN, they get so caught up and look where this guy come from and look where he is now. And he just, he threw that narrative out there and he got called out on it. It's what happened. And yeah. Like you said, Danny West was straight to call him out and say, hey, that ain't what happened. So <laughs> we, we, we get so caught up in these stories and, and the Rinaldi and Woj and all these people just, you know, you want that feel good. You want that feel good story. And I think that's what he was doing. And it backfired on him. That That's exactly what it was. And I don't, I get it. You know, you want to build up this maybe not hero mentality or backstory or whatever, but you want to build him up as something. And, and I'm not saying that Patrick Beverly isn't deserving of what he got with his contract. Cause that's what he was. That's what he was referencing was that big contract that he got. Uh, and that's great. We're all happy for Patrick. You know, we're all ecstatic for him and, and excited to see what he can do uh, with this new contract. But yeah, I, it, it just, um, I just wish they would get things like that. Right. And that kind of, it's a, it, it looks worse than it really is when you say things like that and it kind of paints this narrative of well arkansas is gonna arkansas as pinto says on on twitter all hog the time gonna hog hog gonna hog and 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 it kind of paints that narrative and and pinto's right hogs certainly do that and they're capable they're certainly capable of uh tripping over their their own feet but that was certainly not one of those situations where that happened this was this was something different where patrick beverly broke a team rule and and uh, was asked to sit a year out 
he was not exiled and he chose to bounce to Europe. Well, so, it, it puts a blemish on the story. I mean, I mean, like Patrick Beverly, he is well deserving and he is one of the best defenders the NBA's had in a long time. I mean, lock down. And for him to say that, I mean, it kind of takes away from Patrick Beverly's journey to sit here and, and, and say something like that and it comes out to be false. So it's like, man, what, where does he really come from? Did he really earn it? But that dude on the court has earned everything he's got. He is he is tenacious. I, I love his attitude. Like his his mentality, he's just fierce, man. He's a warrior. He's He's got that 90s mentality of an NBA player. You know, he's he's willing to, to get down and dirty, and, and he's going to get in your head. He's just such a good defender, too. Like, I really like him, and I I hope he continues to. I mean, look, he's he drew this huge contract. Now all, all I want for him is to get a ring. I'd love for him to get a ring in the NBA, and I think I think they're capable of doing it. So Oh, yeah, definitely. It's like that video they showed of him entering the that uh, summer league game, and they were talking about how he's already locked in, ready to play the Lakers in that summer league game. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, that was that <laughs> he was like the, he looked like Deontay Wilder going in there already ready to fight. <laughs> I love that man. I love That's it when great. when athletes, as long as they don't take it too far and they like try to literally physically beat the crap out of someone. I like it when they bring that that chip on their shoulder because that's that I feel like that represents the state of Arkansas. Like we all have kind of a chip on our shoulder because we're so looked down on. Whether you're talking state, just as a state or as a university, we're. we're or everybody's little brother or whatever you want to call it. We just have this chip on our shoulder. And I love that. And I think Patrick Beverly, uh, he, he captures that man at that next level. He, he just, he's ferocious on that court. And I love and He's fun to watch too. He's entertaining. Heck of a defensive Absolutely. player. One of, one of the most, he's Mr. Excitement. He may not be Mr. Excitement and offensive prowess, but man, defensively guys locked down. I completely agree with that. Yeah. So, Razorback fans, just make sure to go and subscribe and rate our podcast. Uh, get our message across. If you're enjoying this show, uh, pause it right now. Get there. Like if you like our if you like our podcast, make sure you get in there and subscribe right now. Share it all over social media, helping to helping to get our message out. Uh, you can listen to Spotify. You can listen to it on Anchor. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, and iHeartRadio. So make sure you get in there right now, subscribe, and share it all over social media. So guys, real quick, turn the script. This is something I want to ask Porter real quick. It's uh, it's about Team Arkansas TBT. What's going on with that, man? It, it's it's one of those things that's trending big on social media. Uh, Keith Kelly has it going in the right direction right now. But where's the attention coming from? With the uh, with the University of Arkansas right now, why are they not giving out anything? That I don't know. Um, I wish that they would because, man, Arkansas is such a unique state, and and not only do we hold on to that, like you said, once a hog, always a hog. So, you know, once these players and they have guys on their roster, Ronnie Brewer, you know, Alondis Harris, you know, Kareem Reed's one of the coaches. You know, you, all these former stars that used to play for Arkansas are on this team. Rodney Clark. I mean, I know he was just there for a couple of years and then went to Butler, but he's on the team. So, you know, you, they're, they're having this uh, scrimmage, open scrimmage, July 18th at Shiloh Christian High School. So, I mean, if you're out and about Northwest Arkansas, man, definitely go up there and, uh, and, and watch the scrimmage and get to meet the players. But uh, I don't know. And, you know, we've I've talked to 
you know Keith a lot. I've, I've really followed the team, and I've, it's really gotten me excited about the tournament. It's a, a $2 million cash prize that, you know, teams just form their players, and it's fan-based. You know, if right. you get so many followers, they let you have a 10th roster spot. But Arkansas is alumni team. So to be an alumni team, you have to have at least seven players on your roster that went to the U of A. And so they're the Arkansas alumni team. And they've just, from what I've heard, they've just gotten some negative feedback from the U of A and basically telling them not to, to uh, contact their uh, alumni boosters. And, you know, if everything, they want everything to go centralized through them. And to me, I, they're missing out on a huge opportunity to, you know, for these players that are playing on Team Arkansas TBT to uh, give back to the Razorbacks. And I know it's a business, but like I said, you start giving back and you start supporting a team like this, it's going to speak volumes to the players that are playing for this prize. And they're going to be like, man, I'm going to start doing some camps. And Keith even told me that they're trying to get, you know, they're trying to get to where Fayetteville could be a host site. That would be huge because this thing is, is big time on ESPN. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the guys, like I said, they're playing for $2 million. So, you know, you're going to get the best out of these players. It's not just a pickup league. It's, it's legit. Right. So with with sports and culture, I've been following it for a little while. Uh, Let me get a little background here on this. So the other day, uh, I know this isn't Razorback related, but, you guys got a little bit more credibility going on now with uh, with your sources and, and connections that you are building with the NBA and that and that part with Tyler. Um, I saw where you guys uh, were in on Kevin Durant's story a week before ESPN even got in on it. Like you guys were plugged in and you're getting stuff going right now. Tell us a little bit about what sports and culture is all about. Sports and culture, man. We're just trying to be that small small dog that tries to follow things that other people aren't following. And, you know, Tyler, man, he's done an amazing job. He gave me, you know, my shot in this, in this business and doing podcasts and being able to write articles and, and spread the Arkansas love out in the East coast out there in South Carolina. And man, that's all due credit to John, uh, you know, Mike neighbors and, uh, you know, the ladybacks. Cause when they had the sec women's tournament out there, that's what sparked all this. He wanted some inside information and I reached out to him and, you know, we started connecting and I started writing for him, but man, you know, we got this, you know, we got these sources and stuff and it it feels really good when you know that all this hard work and you're breaking things on a Thursday and they're talking about it on first take on a Monday. Uh, It's just really, it's really cool for small time guys that are getting contacted by an ESPN outlet in LA. You know, where'd you get this contacts? And so, yeah, I broke the KD story. Uh, they actually broke the Magic Johnson story before it come out. And, you know, they were that, that was on Friday and they were talking about it on Monday. So, yeah, we're we're pro- we're getting some credibility on the NBA side. So it, it's really exciting. It's not easy. It's not easy to do. And, and as someone who's had a YouTube channel for two years and you know, been on this podcast, it, it's not easy to break through as a little guy. And I mean, we're, we're small and, I, you know, the hog talk podcast has over 4,000 followers and we're still in the grand scheme of just the sec. We're, we're itty bitty. We're tiny. And it's, it's so challenging to, to grow. And you guys over at sport and sports and culture are doing a really good job of 
breaking those stories early and getting out in front of everyone, even the big dogs. That's a that's a big deal. That's pretty cool. I think the biggest thing is, you know, nobody wants to be wrong because you've seen, you know, what happens when if people comes out with a hot take and they're wrong, they get blasted. I mean, look at that guy, you know, Trey Shap. He broke out that store and they blasted him and it ended up coming true. So everybody was crawfishing, you know. So I mean, that's I think that's the hardest thing when it comes to you that up and coming is you're you're afraid to have that hot take. You're afraid to say you have a source because everybody's got a source nowadays. Everybody's got a source. Oh my gosh, everybody's got a source and everybody's got a podcast. Isn't that right, Jacob? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And your mama's got a podcast too. So darn right. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with that though. It's good. No, stuff. not at all, man. It, just because it's getting crowded doesn't mean it's uh, there's not enough information out there for everybody. That's right. Yeah. There, that's there's the always that's the thing when you start printing receipts and you start showing that that's what really got the traction. You know, when Tyler was posting the stuff, he was you know highlighting those timestamps and those what I call receipts that proof, and that's what really started steamrolling yep. because when you're seeing on July 5th he's posting this and then it comes out on the 8th, you know that's that's where you get that traction and that. Cri- credibility because they know you're not just throwing those hot takes you're, you're printing those receipts off along with what you're talking about right yeah it just backs up what you're what you're doing and like you said it's just a timestamp, and it shows that you guys hey we're there first you know we live in a day and age too where being first seems to be what matters the most and it's something jacob and i have to have to work on like we you know we try our best we want to get stuff out there but you know you don't want to claim sources because everybody's got sources and Right. That becomes kind of a cliche buzzword. I've got a source, so and so at the athletic department. You know, and it's it just gets kind of eye rolled every once in a while. But you know, it, but it's true though. And if if you can get out there first and you can validate what you're saying and you can back it up with timestamps and and proof, then hey, you know, you're going to be uh, you, you might be recognized and you might blow up. And that's just what this is all about. Social media is a tricky tricky mistress. It's really it's really a challenge to get right and. You know, I applaud everybody who who finds their own way in this arena for sure. Well, I still swear that John Gruden's wearing a red tie. So, <laughs> and that oh, was Jim in Arkansas or Mike Gundy. I mean, his his mullet was was shaved and pointed towards the north to Fayetteville. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, he's coming to Fayetteville to be our next football coach. We, and then out of nowhere, oh. it's Chad Morris. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nothing wrong with that because I love Chad. I think he's going to be he's going to do some good things at Arkansas, um, especially right now with recruiting. Uh, recruiting is is doing well, uh, coming off a two and ten season. So I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna get better. Basketball teams is going to get better. Baseball team is just in the middle of if, of a dynasty building. They haven't won championships yet, but they're on the cusp of something great. That's that was a so, question that I thought you and I. And we're not going to talk about it in depth here because obviously we still got it. We got to get to the questions that were asked to us on social media. But I was going to ask: Do you consider? Maybe this is a good poll for us to put out this week. Is Arkansas blue blood, or can you be a blue blood blue blood in college baseball without that ring, without a championship ring? And look, uh, you know what's his name at D one baseball? D one baseball dot com has Arkansas pegged to make the College World Series again next year. Yeah. So I mean, three years in a row. Let's say that happens. Are you a blue blood or not? Whether you win a ring, that that I think that'd be a really good poll to ask everyone on social media. What do you guys? I, think? I believe they are. I believe because man, it's so hard. It, it's not. We got to think. This is the only sport that they play a series. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you got a tournament, but when you get to the national championship game, when the basketball, it's one game. Yep. Football, it's one game. And baseball is such a technical sport that anything can happen. Your pitcher has a bad day, or your reliever yeah. has a bad day, or your star hitter, ha- you know, one guy has a bad game. It could throw your whole rotation in your lineup off. So, oh yeah. Right now, I, and this is, and I kind of hate to kind of um, compare it to football, but it's it's kind of like with me and being a Clemson fan. Is Clemson and their success are they a blue blood? In my opinion, no. It's a recent success. Now they're going to have to win a couple more national championships to be considered a blue blood. Are they an elite program now? Yes. But I think in the case of Arkansas, yes, they are that blue blood program because they are getting kids to come from all over the country to come play and not get a full scholarship. You're not getting these full rides. You're getting kids from California to come play for partial scholarships. So, yeah, in my opinion, they are. Yeah, I mean, they are. I think they're a household name. And, you know, we don't pay attention to high school baseball recruiting because it's it's tricky. It's it's yes. tricky. You don't know when these guys, if they sign with a with a major league baseball team, if they sign a contract to go play in the minors, and it's hard to follow. And if you get them on campus, obviously that's a big deal. And Arkansas, I mean, they're a household name in high school baseball. They're a household name in college baseball, and so they have that reach that they don't right now in any of the other sports, maybe outside of track. But I'm not even going to touch on that because I'm so out in left field when it comes to track. But. Yeah, I, I personally think they're a blue blood in baseball, even without that championship, whether they make the College World Series this year or not. Well, here's my biggest take on it, and I think this is what with Vanderbilt and Arkansas, what they've proven over the past couple of years. They're changing the narrative on what you pointed out of people coming to coming out of high school and going to the pros or coming to play college. Mm-hmm. You get treated like kings when you come play SEC baseball. You're playing oh, yeah. in front of ten to 15,000 people. You're getting three meals. You're getting all this nutrition. I think Arkansas and Vanderbilt is starting to change people's eyes of maybe I want to go play four years at a college baseball and and gain it that way because look at Benintendi. You know, he, he paid his dues at Arkansas. Now he's already in the big leagues. Opposed to these kids are coming right out of high school and they're wanting to go do a major league grind. I think that's really helping yeah, yeah, and Isaiah Campbell's a good example, too, of someone they, they were able to turn around. I mean, coming into this year, we didn't really know what we had with Isaiah Campbell. It's easy now to say, oh, well, yeah, I mean, look, he was great. Look what he did, you know, in one season. But coming into this year, we really didn't know. He wasn't he wasn't looked at as someone to be drafted as high as he was. And he came back his junior year, his third year, and he he definitely got a bump in the in, – you know, in, in the Major League Baseball draft compared to where he would have been a year ago because he was eligible last year, if I'm not mistaken. So, Well, in uh, my opinion, the, the uncertainty of Isaiah Campbell is the reason why they were preseason ranked so low, you know, because they yeah, didn't yeah. know. You know yeah, who was that yeah. starter. Yeah, that and, and, you know, they lost. Jacob pointed this out. They lost two-thirds of their, their bullpen. You know, they had to start basically from scratch. And then they have – Two weekend starters are freshmen. I mean, good grief. And this team still managed to win 40-plus games and go to the College World Series. So Amazing. It is I mean, amazing. real quick, if you're even thinking about it, talk about draft, where they were drafted and stuff. Look at the NBA and where Daniel Gafford did on night one of the Summer League. I know it's Summer League, and you can't really tell much about it, but Daniel Gafford came out and looked like 
a guy that should have been drafted into the first round. Am I correct? Yeah. What about but you, Todd? It, it's I, my... Sorry, guys. I, I don't know. I I mean, it's the summer league. That's my only thing. But I, I, I always thought he should have been, you know, a first-round draft pick. I mean, he's got the size, you know, the athleticism along with that size is – is pretty extraordinary. It's not really that common in the NBA to be that size and that athletic and that, you know, that hustle that he has going up and down the court, not to mention just his sheer athleticism inside. Don't get me wrong. We could point out things he needed to work on, you know, the free throw line. He needed to improve on his, his, his percentage there. He didn't really develop an outside shot like Portis did from one year to the other, but I still thought he should have been a first round pick. I mean, going into his sophomore year, he was talked about as a lottery draft pick. And then this is from NBA scouts. This is yeah. from people who, who do that for a living, not you and I on, you know, on a podcast. These are people who do this for a living projecting him as a possible lottery pick, or at least somewhere in the first round. And I, I thought he should have been, you know, it's not his fault what happened and how Mike Anderson used him his last year. And I'm not going to get started. I'm not going down that road, but I, I thought he should have been, but at the same time, it is the summer leagues. We've seen this before where guys show out in the summer leagues, and then, you know, when the bell yeah. rings, they disappear, and you never hear from them again. So, but we'll see. I, I've, it's Chicago Bulls, you know, they tried their luck with Bobby Portis. It didn't really work out, and, and maybe that had something to do with off-the-court antics with him and another teammate. I don't know. Um, we'll see if Gafford can work it out at Chicago. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm going to be, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. I'm not a big Bulls guy. I actually can't stand the Bulls almost as much as I hate the Lakers. Sorry, Otis Kirk. But um, I, I, I'm I'm still going to keep an eye on, on both Bobby Portis and Daniel Gafford. And also the other, Daryl Macon, is, is making his moves too with Dallas. Right. My biggest concern with, with uh, Gafford, it's his toughness. You know, we've seen the big guy so many times on the floor, on the court, just getting knocked down. So that was my biggest I guess, criticism of him. So, I mean, yeah, he's showing out, but he looked like he had that toughness last night or the other night and was having fun. So we'll see what happens when it gets to, to, to big-time ball. But um, if, if he can get in there and bang and really show that toughness, I think everything else will fall into place. Yeah, I agree. So real quick, we got some Twitter questions. Uh, we reached out and we said, uh, with their podcast going on, Hog Nation, when we we're going to do a Q and A portion. So, give us your questions. We had a few people come back in, and uh, Real Flavor Beeps, aka <laughs> formerly formerly Skittles, the who artist is for- one of our top fans. <laughs> uh, uh, he says plans to do more than one show a week. That's the first question. Ty, should we do one? One, more than one a week. I think I think we should. I don't know when we're gonna do it, Skittles, but I think we should. I think we should do it one day. Skittles, aka, or real flavor beeps, aka Skittles. Yeah, um, I think when the football season gets here. Now my schedule is obviously gonna change uh, during the fall when school starts. But I, yeah, I think we're gonna. Try. Jacob and I haven't really talked about that a whole lot, but I think we do want to do more than one show a week, especially with the growth that we're having on social media. I mean, we're well over a thousand views, and, and on a podcast, that's pretty extraordinary. Through eight episodes, actually, we hit that marker. I think through seven episodes, and yes. it's not like YouTube where it, you know you're just it, it's different comparing viewerships from podcast to YouTube videos. So that thousand clicks, thousand plus clicks, is a big deal. So it's obviously. It's obviously something people want, and we've had – that's not the first time I think we've had someone ask us about that. So, yeah, 
I think that's so, probably in the in the future for sure. And just it's to update on that. Speaking of those listeners, you know, them listeners, right. you know, they keep listening and they want more, you know, y'all give them more. Oh, yeah. Speaking of number-wise, just to give you all an update, and we'll go over to the next question, is we are up to 1.5 thousand uh, podcast downloads in, in a little over wow. two months. So wow. I mean, y'all are doing work. Yes. That's the difference, though. That's that's the thing with YouTube. It's a click. You'll watch it. My videos are five to six minutes. But a podcast carries on for 40 to 45 minutes, and you have to download it. To have that many views with this with this little podcast that's impressive i'm proud of us jacob we're doing good work man yes yes we're doing real good uh and then he also said part two how many wins in 2019 to electrify hog fans about football program again so i'm gonna spin this off on tithe because i know you don't want to give out your season prediction yet but this is a good question how many wins does it take for fan interest to get back up to what it was maybe pre-2014 or pre two thousand fifteen. Well, to electrify, I, I don't. That's look. The path is laid out there for six to seven wins. I'm not saying that's what they get. The path is there because I don't really believe Ole Miss is is going to be much better than where they were at it a year ago. And Arkansas should have beat them a year ago. Uh, Kentucky lost a lot of their of their best pieces of what made them go. I think that's a, a coin flip. I'm not saying these are automatic wins. I'm saying they're coin flips. Mizzou, I'm not buying into Kelly Bryant in, in that system at Mizzou. I'm just not right now. I'm in show-me mode with, with what's going on at Mizzou on offense, and we know defensively they're going to probably struggle a little bit. Ironically enough, they, they do a good job producing defensive linemen uh, you know, to the next level. But I, I'm just not – I think there's there's a path laid out there to win – six or seven games. So if they can do that, if, if because nobody, whether it's Athlon Magazine, Lindy's, I don't know about Sports Illustrated and all the others, uh, what's the other one, Street and Smith, none of them have Arkansas going to a bowl game. And I think the majority of Razorback fans probably believe they're somewhere around a bowl a bowl game presence. If you, if you make a bowl game and then maybe another win, I think that would electrify the fan base. I think seven, eight wins – that would absolutely electrify the hog fan or, or the, the Razorback fan base for this football program. I just, the path is there. I, I don't know whether or not they take the path. It's, it's laid out for them, but there's still a question of talent and youth. And, you know, you're trying to get developed along the offensive line around the line of scrimmage. There's a lot of work to be done, but I, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, seven wins. I'll, I'll go with seven wins. I think would electrify, would get hogs at least excited for the following season, kind of hype them up for 2020. I'll go with six because that means you made a bowl game. You know, that's that's a big improvement from two and ten. But I, I think my biggest thing is can they play a full four-quarter game without getting gassed, without letting teams like North Texas, Colorado State come out in the second half and outman you. If they can play a four-quarter game and play competitive in all their games and, and get to that five-six win mark, you're showing promise and you're showing progression. So that's what they need because they're so used to what Bielema did and that digression. So if if Chad Morris comes out and they win five, six, seven games, that's going to electrify the, the fan base. Now, well, Porter, real quick. Yes, sir. You said, you said falling apart in four quarters against North Texas. 
We weren't even in that North Texas game. Well, what I'm get, well you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> I, know right? what you, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I just I'm had just to, saying I just you let people get gassed. And I think a lot of that, you know, there's a big misconstruction on that. Now, I, I, my outsider's, you know, opinion on that was last year was a wash. Because, you know, you've got a guy like Chad Morris coming in with this high-tempo offense, wanting to totally change the way Arkansas plays football. If these guys, the year before last, couldn't play a four-quarter game in a slow play-action run offense, and they were getting gassed like that, you can't expect them to go up-tempo and block for a full four-quarter game. So, like I said, if, if they can start blocking and playing a full four-quarter game and not get gassed, that, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, that, that North Texas game was just atrocious. <laughs> I, I still wonder if – and I know – Listen, North Texas fans love me because I put a video out that before the season started about the non-conference teams that worried me the most, and it was it was North Texas. And according to my analytics, you could follow where people share your links, and I follow. I went down the rabbit hole, and sure enough, North, <laughs> that video was shared all over their North Texas fan site or one of their their websites. And uh, I read some of the comments. I was able to open up the link and see what all they said. They were all about it. And then obviously reading the comments after the game was even, I mean, it was, it was kind of like pouring salt on a wound, you know, but it was still like, well, okay, at least, at least there's some acknowledgement there that I, I was, I was saying that these guys are, are dangerous with Mason fine as a quarterback, who, by the way, really under the radar, talented quarterback and showed out against Arkansas. Well, maybe not showed out, but looked pretty good. Looked, he didn't look phased at all that he was inside Fayetteville and playing in a, in an SEC stadium but yeah north texas was definitely the most it's got to be one of the most disappointing games you know when i was little i was actually at the citadel game that arkansas lost when jack crow was a head coach and i was i'm too little you know i was too young to know like how devastating my loss that was but my dad said well now you know how it feels because arkansas got <laughs> frog stomped by north texas so yeah you know. that, that, when you, when the coach gets walked out of war memorial stadium and straight to the unemployment line you know how bad that loss was Oh, I, I remember gosh. that. <laughs> so, real quick about uh, quarterbacks from small colleges in Texas. Uh, this is from Pigskin. Will Ben Hicks tie to the Razorbacks uh, staff fog their judgment? Will they feel like they owe him something even if he plays poorly, seeing that this is his final season of eligibility? Tie, go. That's a really good question from Pigskin on Twitter. Thank you. That was an awesome question because this was something I wanted to talk about on a video or even here on our podcast. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think they're going to play who gives them the best chance to win a game because this isn't this is a business. We've talked about it, and we're in the day and age where you got to win now. It's what have you done for me lately? And if Hicks doesn't give you the best chance to win games, if he's struggling to mesh with the rest of this offense and Starkle, who's someone who's played in the SEC, who's played Power 5 football where Ben Hicks hasn't, and they feel more comfortable, I think they go with with Nick Starkle. I probably said that backwards. But I think they end up going with, with, with Starkle over Hicks if Hicks doesn't show out. But then there's going to be that. What happens when Ben Hicks struggles and they keep him in a game? Do fans start hollering for, for Nick Starkle to come in, and do they stick with him, and what's behind that? Is it because they, like he says, like, pigskin says if you know their their judgment's being fogged because they feel like they owe him something for coming to arkansas i i don't think that happens i think they're going to play whoever gives them the best chance to win so you remember back in 2006 when mitch mustang came i to knew campus. i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> i Do was you remember 
Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson, who was the quarterback turned wide receiver. Uh, Mitch Mustaine was on the sidelines, five star quarterback, Springdale's own. Uh, he was he was in there. Uh, came to campus. Was everybody wants him? Everybody wants the backup quarterback to be the starter. It doesn't matter who it is, what year it is, or when it is. They they always want him, and they were chanting Mitch Mustaine's game the whole time when Arkansas was down forty four to seven. Well, I yeah. So you're talking about the USC game. Yes. And yes, I was there. Yeah. Me and me and my boy Duke. Shout out Duke. I don't know if you're listening to this or not. I'm sure you are. But I, we were there, and he and I were just looking at each other like, when is he going to come in? It's got to be any moment. And if you remember that game, Felix Jones fumbled the ball. I think if I remember right, like two or three times. It was yeah. we turned the ball over so many times. It was hard to put all the blame on the quarterback and the offense, but. It just just wasn't working, and he and I looked at each other like, okay, they're going to put Mitch in at any moment. And sure enough, they do. Toward, I think it was the towards the end of the fourth quarter, and he throws that dime to Damian Williams. I'll never forget that because we thought, here's the future. This is what it's yep. going to look like from here on out. And sure enough, it, it would end up being a catastrophe, and we all know how that turned out. But, yeah, I, I, I wonder if it's going to be that kind of situation. But I guess the difference being neither one of these guys, Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle, they're not – five-star prospects as freshmen. You know, these are two guys, they're older, they've been around a little bit, they kind of know what's up. And I don't think there's any high expectations for either of these quarterbacks. I think, obviously, everyone's waiting on on K.J. Jefferson and Chandler Morris. And even there's still people that bring up John Stephen Jones. He could, who knows about John Stephen? I don't know. I'm not going to count him out just yet. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it's one of the most intriguing quarterback battles. And obviously, we're biased because we follow the Razorbacks. But it's going to be, one of the more intriguing quarterback battles we've had on campus in a while. I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. And then well, Ron, say, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Porter. I, I was, was going to go to the next comment. Said, well, the same was being said about the recruiting and them. Chad Moore's recruiting his son. This, the, the, it, that correlates into, you know, Morris, you know, he's the sitting there recruiting Chandler is the same thing. Cloud coming in on that. You know, I, that was the big thing. And I think Chandler's kind of showed that, no, he's a player. Oh, yeah. yeah, he, uh, you know, when we had him on, he's a, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think he's, I, I'm excited about what he could do when he gets on campus. There is the question of kind of, kind of similar with like what you said, are they, were they blinded by the fact that this is Chad Morris's son and picking him over someone like Jacoby Criswell, who's committed to North Carolina, who went to the elite 11 camp and finished in the top eight. And more and more people are starting to ask the question, you know, did they pick, did they back the wrong horse here? And, and I'm going to say this, we're not going to go into depth on that elite 11 camp. I think there's too much there for us to cover. And, and we'd probably carry the show on for another 30 minutes talking about that. But the, the don't go by what someone does at an elite 11 camp you, you, or any of these camp. like you need to first off, take into consideration. This guy plays at a very high level in Texas state football and high school football and is competitive and competes and wins at that level. I'm going to look at that before what he does at elite 11 camp, not to mention Arkansas's had quarterbacks go to these elite 11 camps do really well. And no, I think they've always sent, it's always been 20 or 25 quarterbacks. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's 20, right, Jacob? Yeah. Yeah. Is it 20? 20? Yeah, okay. 20 quarterbacks. Yeah. I think Casey Dick was an elite 11 quarterback. If I'm not mistaken. I I, I'm pretty sure he was. He was at least invited. I don't remember how far, how high up he finished. It, it you take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, it's always nice to see what 
scouts think of, of these players and what kind of feedback they get at these things. But, uh, you know, we've already had one guy from who covers all of Texas football. Uh, the Dave is it Dave Campbell? I think is the name of the magazine. Yes. And they had someone, one of the writers there, talk about about Chandler Morris. Like, look, he's legit. He could uh, he could compete anywhere. So I feel pretty good about Chandler. And I don't think that that's the same. I, I don't think that's the case. I hope not. I do like Jacoby Criswell, and I think he's gonna he could ball out at North Carolina. But yeah, they are. You're right, Porter. That's a similar situation there. And and I I, I think they made the right call. But time will tell. We've still got KJ Jefferson on campus. I'm excited to see what he can do as well. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, just a comment from Ron and Malvern. Don't believe the staff is as tunnel vision as last staff was with Allen Brothers. That was the comment going back towards pigskin with uh, Ben Hicks. Uh, if they would have tunnel vision with Ben Hicks, mm, and then uh, and then Jay Fark out of uh, on Twitter says, "Do you think KJ Jefferson will make a push to start or most likely Richard? I don't think so. Uh, what do you think there, Ty?" I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he makes a push or anything. I think he starts four games and then red shirts, or not starts four games, but plays in four games in red shirts. This uh, this is the most commonly asked question in my comment section. Um, look, anytime you get a four star quarterback, when they've got that star power next to their name, he's the messiah. Every class, it was the same yeah. way when Ty Story was was committed. I remember the the feedback then. I remember what people were saying on social media. He's the Messiah of court of the quarterback position. I'm not saying KJ Jefferson won't. I think people are putting way too much on KJ. I had someone in my comment section tell me that KJ runs like Darren McFadden. Okay, no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> run anything like Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden ran a legit four three seven forty time. Four two seven. Uh, Good grief. Well, I think, yeah, I think his overall, yeah, I think he ran a 4-2-7, but his official 40, I think, was like a low. It was somewhere in the 4-3s regardless. Yeah. I'm sorry, KJ doesn't run a 4-3-40. He is, however, an impressive dual-threat quarterback, and I don't think people need to, you know, put so much on him and, and have these super high expectations of KJ. I, I, don't, I don't know that he pushes. It, it's Obviously, it's going to depend on what happens with Starkle and Ben Hicks. I think those two with the experience they have will – battle it out and eventually I think Starkle takes the lead and that's probably how the year ends the question's going to be what happens after that what happens in 2020 I think KJ Jefferson he's a little raw in the passing game but I think he's got a high ceiling I'm I'm really hoping that he's patient at, at the University of Arkansas hope he sticks it out because I think he could be something special him and I I don't you know the jury for me is still out on on Chandler a little bit just because I there's just not enough there. I'm, I'm obviously we're going to watch what he does his senior year. I, I'm not saying that either one of those guys, you know, is better than the other, but that is the future. I think of the quarterback position is between those two. It's going to be exciting to watch. It really is. And, and KJ's talented, and he's he's a little raw in the passing game, but he's he's dangerous outside the pocket. He can make moves out of the pocket. He's got good awareness. Uh, he's got a little bit of a delay, and 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 when he cocks his arm back to throw, there's a little bit of a delay there. When I'm you know watching his film, but he's got really high potential. I, I'm gonna say he's gonna play enough this year that he doesn't burn his red shirt, and then I yeah. think they obviously red shirt him. And we got to look at the landscape of college football now. You know, the last two national championship quarterbacks were freshmen, so 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 they're looking at these guys coming in. We'll look at what Tua did. Look what Trevor did. This, you know, now that that pressure is now being put on these guys coming in, that they want them to be ready to come right out of high school into the college game. 
Yeah. And it's not just on the players. It's on the coaches, too. Oh, man. Because you're going to hear it. If, oh, if so-and-so doesn't work out, just like we said earlier, oh, the second-string quarterback's right there breathing on your neck. So, I mean, I, I think I think KJ plays enough that doesn't burn his red shirt. But Starkle and Ben Hicks are solidified as the guy, two guys, I think. That I think so, too. To. I think so, too. Unless, you know, obviously we can't see. Obviously, if someone gets hurt, God forbid, knock on wood, all that stuff. Unless something like that happens. But, yeah, like I said, I'm getting a lot of people that are comparing him to, like, the next, you know, elite quarterback that Arkansas has. Just hang on. Pump the brakes. Let's just wait and see how this all goes. You know, there's a lot of time between now and when, uh, you know, Chandler Morris, you still got to deal with with him and and how that all kind of pans out. And so there's a lot of expectations coming from, from all these quarterbacks, really, not just KJ and Chandler, but everyone that's on campus right now for someone for the love of God, take the quarterback position and do something with it. Got to block right. first, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got to block. Yeah. Um, speaking of blocking, do you think Arkansas pulls out two wins in the SEC? Yes. Ty? Mm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to answer that yet. I, I, like I said, the path is there. I don't know. I'm, I'm just concerned about the youth. With the skill position spot, the durability of the running backs, we know Devall Whaley and Rakeem Boyd have both had issues, you know, playing full seasons. Chase Hayden has has also had durability issues. You know, the offensive line, there's a lot of change up front. Defensive line, oh, man, there's so much work still to be done, but they've got a lot of seniors up there. And then you got Montreal Spate, the linebacker position. I, I – the, the – the, it's – the path is there. For right now, I'm I'm just gonna say probably not. But again, I've still got about another three weeks before I put out my official. Well, actually, longer than that, really. But I, before I put anything out official on my channel, as of right now, I'm having a hard time seeing them get to SEC wins right now. But well, that could change. Well, here, I'm here's the biggest out. thing. Oh, sorry, Go here's ahead, the biggest thing we got to remember. You know, we're, we we put so much emphasis on blocking. But now you've got two quarterbacks, one who's played in Chad Morris's system. You're only asking these guys to block for two to three seconds. You know, these guys have the arm to get the ball out to the receivers with, you know, from one to three seconds. So it's not like you've got a guy who, like Ty Story, who, you know, they're pocket passer and they, they need so much time to develop and find the receivers. So that's why I'm saying, you know, because, you know, with Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss and Missouri, how, how low they are. And now you've got a, a quarterback who can get the ball out quick. They they could get to at least two wins. Yeah, I say I think I'm going to go two wins as well. I think I'm going to. I won't say absolutely two wins, but if we do get two wins, I'd say Ole Miss and Missouri, and anything in between is just excellent. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sold on these other schools. You know, Ole Miss I think stays about the same where they were at a year ago. Mississippi State just. They had an incredible coach for, for a while, and he's gone now. Yeah. And I don't think that they're that caliber of a program to maintain that kind of that kind of you know those yeah. wins that they were able to, to achieve. And, and then Mizzou, I'm just not sold on all of them. I think the path is there, honestly, for six or seven wins this year. But I, again, there's there's so many questions, and for me, that's right. what I look at when I when I'm breaking the season down. How many questions does does this team have versus how many possible answers they have and there's for me there's a lot of questions and i'm, j- I'm just yeah. not there yet with two sec wins yeah and then the final question from fart he says best opportunities for freshman all sec team 
from the offense and defense. I will, I will uh, state my guesses last. Go ahead, Porter. All SEC freshmen. Oh, man, that's tough. I, I would have to go, I mean, just from the hype that I'm hearing, Trey Knox. But other than that, I mean, there's not much that I see coming in on the defensive side that, that those people are going to really come in and step up and be that all SEC freshman caliber team because we are talking about the SEC. Ty, what about you? So, all SEC freshmen on offense, and I got to agree with Porter, it's, it's got to be Trey Knox. Because I really, you know, I really don't know who else could step up. I have heard TQ Jackson has also been balling out. He's actually put on a little bit of weight. I, I think he's actually above 200 pounds. So, you're talking about a guy who's about 6'3 and a half, 6'4, 200 plus pounds, another tall receiver, another lengthy guy to go up and snatch the ball. I think it could come down between those two, maybe Shamar Nash on defense. That's tricky. I, you know, Zach Zymos, I'm sure will play. He'll be in rotation with the linebackers. Uh, we've heard a little bit about Matial Soli, but man, to get all sec freshmen, if it's anybody, I, I guess I'd go with Devin Bush. If, if anyone were to make it, it, it to me, it would have to be Devin Bush, you know, four star six foot, 195 pound, kid out of new orleans i like him a lot we know he had that interception in the in the red white scrimmage and from what i understand he's also been he's he showed out quite a bit during the spring workouts and the spring camp so i like devin bush a lot maybe even jalen catalan he, he could i think he'll at least be a guy in rotation and could have you know an opportunity to to show out for arkansas this year i think he's going to get some playing time so, yeah, and, there, and there's some other guys along the defensive line. The thing is, up front of the defensive line, along the line of scrimmage, you've got a lot of seniors. you got a lot of, you got a lot of seniors and, and upperclassmen that are going to rotate up front. So, I, yeah, who knows? But it's, it's – yeah, right now I would go with Trey Knox and probably for the defense, Devin Bush. Okay. So, on offense, let's see. I am going to go with – that's a hard decision. Well, I don't want to go on Trey Knox. I don't want to say. I am going to say, man, that's a really good question, guys. I'm so sorry. Let's see. I'm going to go with Trey Knox. Sorry. I know that's cliche to say. I, I really honestly think Trey Knox because the guy, I think he's got the mentality of a guy that wants to be there and go in and just ball out. I think he just has that mentality. He's also got the length, he's got the size, he's got the hands, and the want to. And so, and a defensive guy, I really think Enoch Jackson. I don't think he's going to redshirt. A lot of people A lot of people are going to be like, Enoch Jackson, why do you think him? Well, honestly, I think he's a guy that he's a defensive lineman, six foot, 300 pounds, but moves like a linebacker. If you don't believe me, go watch his tape and, and, and then – go back and, and come back at me and say, oh, man, he is a really big baller. He's a guy that uh, was Jalen Catalan's teammate, Torin Connor's teammate out of uh, out of Mesquite, Texas. So he's a, he's a good kid that I, I think he's he's one that's going to turn on uh, this season. A guy not like Soli or or a Colin Clay or a Jalen Catalan. I think Enoch Jackson may be a guy that wins SEC, all SEC freshman honors. So 
I, I don't know what you guys think about that, but that, that's my take on him. I, I like that. I like Enoch. I think Enoch and, uh, you know, Torian Carter, when you talk about interior defensive lineman, then you got Marcus Miller, kid out of Warren, Trey Burks' teammate, 6'5", 300 pounds. Those guys could see some playing time. You know, I, I feel, man, I feel good about their depth along the defensive line. They're, <laughs> they're in good shape. I hope they continue to build off that. But I'm really surprised none of us picked who I, I think you'd have to argue is one of the better prospects the state of Arkansas has pushed out in a while. And Hudson Henry. None of us mentioned Hudson Henry. And I think that actually says a lot about the what's going on at tight end already at Arkansas. I mean, you've, you've got Cheyenne or CJ O'Grady, whatever he goes by these days. Uh, you've got him who's probably an all-SEC caliber tight end. But after him, who's going to play? I mean, Grayson Gunter or, or – So I, I think – Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. They, they, I forgot they moved him from wide receiver down there. They tacked some weight on him. But Hudson Henry could have an opportunity too. But I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think Trey Knox is on offense. Is he's got to be the guy? You know, he showed out in the spring scrimmage. He had, a, he looked really good. Not even on, on the passes that he caught. There were other plays where he actually he burned the corner. He got by the corners, beat him off the line, and he didn't get the ball thrown to him because the quarterback was flushed out. But yeah, I think Trey Knox, I think everyone would probably, a majority of listeners would probably have to agree with that. I don't know. Maybe you guys can reach out to us on social media. Let us know what you think, who your all-SEC freshman might be for the 2019 season, or maybe even just the guys who come in and have a big impact, because we can't forget about the Juco offensive lineman uh, on the offensive line as well. So you got those guys, Shabwez and Juana and Myron Cunningham. Yeah. So there's, there's plenty of guys out there. I think we have plenty of polls coming up this week, uh, just coming off this podcast that we can talk about. So that will do it for Episode 9 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in, Hog Nation. Y'all are the heartbeat of this podcast. Keep showing it out. Keep subscribing. Keep rating us and sharing it all over social media. For, for Jacob from the hogpin.net and Ty from pig trail network and then our special guest today porter hayes man thank you for coming on hey thank you for having me guys and if y'all y'all want to you know give us a look man you know on facebook we're on sports and culture media and, and our twitter's at my sports and culture so i again thank you guys for having me on it's it, it's been a pleasure absolutely thanks for coming on Really do appreciate it, Porter. Also, guys, like Jacob said earlier on, don't forget to give us a rating. If you want to give us, I don't know, five stars would be great. If you want to leave a review on the podcast on iTunes, that would be awesome as well. Star power wins it all. <laughs> hey, guys, before we go, man, I, I want to kind of give a little special shout-out to Jacob's sister, man, for blowing up on social media and getting to, uh, you know, meet all these famous NASCAR drivers. I see her all over Twitter, so, man, uh Huge shout out to you for that, man. Thanks, man. I'll, I will tell her to listen just to uh, hear you shout her out. She's, uh, I don't know if she's a regular uh, listener or not, but man, she loves Razorbacks and loves NASCAR. So there is a definite market for that, too. So, guys, uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Listeners, thanks for listening tonight. And Woo Pig. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.